Jesse, and welcome to Bridging the Realm. Uh, today, I have a very special guest with me, and I'm really excited to get into this conversation because it's something quite different from uh, what I've done so far on my channel. So uh, I think uh, you all have something to take away from this conversation today. So my guest for today is Ian Graham, and he's a teacher and a channeler. Uh, he was born to a conservative family in Scotland and uh, was a devout skeptic of all things metaphysical and paranormal. However, in 19, 1982, at the age of 28, Ian's life changed during his, one of his meditations when an entity called White Ball appeared to him and told him that they will be working together. This was the beginning of a long-term partnership where for the last 40 years, Ian has conducted over 20,000 readings while working with and channeling White Ball. So uh, as you can see, channeling, that's quite a different topic from anything I've done, but it's a really important one. And uh, I hope uh, that we can really get into the nitty gritty of this and uh, make the most of it. So Ian, welcome to Bridging the Realm. Thank you so Thank much you for being with us. Thank you very much. Nice to be here. Thank you for asking me. Um, how, how's everything on your side? Uh, how's everything there going with you? Very good. Very good. Finally, we've got a nice sunny day here in the Netherlands. I've been living in the Netherlands for 17 years and uh, I'm very happy here and very proud of the fact I've just got my Dutch nationality and I yeah. have my Dutch passport, so uh, uh, that guarantees me continued freedom of movement in Europe, I think, depending on what happens in Brexit. But no, it's oh. a good day. It started well. Yeah, oh God, I bet you're probably glad not to be in Britain right now, not to be. <laughs> I'm very glad not to be in Britain. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> from the outside, one gets quite a different opinion, I think, probably to when you're in it, but uh, yeah, so no, it, it, it's uh, quite a story. Mm. So yeah. how long did you actually live in Scotland? <laughs> well, actually, I didn't live there for very long. Um, I was educated in Scotland at a, a rather, I'd call it Philistine school in, in Edinburgh. And um, I don't think any school was ever going to be any good for me, but it was the kind of school where if you weren't good at climbing mountains or playing rugby, they really didn't want to know. And I was usually at the back row of the chorus of the school play, so I didn't <laughs> quite uh, fit in. Yeah. And um, I think the last report I got from my headmaster, he simply said, having known me all of those years, Ian passes the time as time passes him. <laughs> whether that means I was already mastered living in the now or whether it was I was already a born daydreamer, I don't know. But anyway, that was his summing up of my school career. So wow. Sometimes I think it should be a, a flattery when he said those things about me. Yeah. Well, I bet now you see them in a different way, but uh, I guess back then it probably wasn't as... Um... Um, big of a compliment. <laughs> no, it wasn't. No, no, my mother certainly didn't think it was a compliment. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, there's always one that doesn't fit in, but they have a completely different, um, you know, future ahead of them. So, and yeah, it, exactly. it sounds like you found yours very much. You were. You were I, I found mine, but only after a few years of really being in the wilderness. I think my family uh, despaired of me because the plan was that uh, my father was a doctor, so I'd become a doctor too. And my father wanted me to play rugby for Scotland but I can't catch a ball to save my life. So that was never gonna work out. And uh, in fact, um, I wanted to leave Edinburgh as soon as I could. And I went down to London and my first job uh, was as a lift operator in Harrods. Mm. Yeah, and, and somebody said, uh, well, I was, you know, Ian, that's your first job taking people to a higher level. So, <laughs> uh, but my, more important for me was actually bringing them down to the ground floor again. And still, I think, uh, Part of my job is important. Part of my job is actually keeping people grounded and bringing them down, and not having them float away into the ethers. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I started with that and lots of other jobs. And then um, when I was about twenty-eight, I, I was uh, suffering from a broken heart again, 
And somebody said to me, why didn't you learn to meditate? So I found this place in London, which um, it doesn't exist anymore, called the House of Spirit. Yeah. For me, a good church of Scott and Boys was just a little bit going too far. Yeah. And I was there, people were talking about past lives and spiritual possessions and all this sort of stuff, and I really freaked out. So <laughs> I, I, I left and uh, began meditating at home, and uh, very quickly I started getting this voice in my head. And I thought, well, I must be getting crazy. That's the saying, if you talk to God, it's called praying, but if God talks to you, you're schizophrenic, so I'm probably, you know, going mad. And I even heard the name Whiteboard, but I, I dismissed that because I think my first record uh, when I was about seven was a song called A Little White Bull, sung by Tommy Steele. I don't know whether any of your listeners will remember it. Oh, wow. What a synchronicity. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I thought, oh, this is just something of my past coming up. And then um, around the same time, I met somebody and he said, oh, he said this amazing thing about uh, my uh, uh, colleague's wife has started channeling this Indian. I said, oh, come on, Bill, you know, this is hocus pocus. It's just it's impossible. Be careful. Very dangerous stuff. Don't go near it. But I heard more about this and, and uh, somehow a seed of curiosity was sown, still suffering from my broken heart, thinking, well, maybe this entity will help. So I had a meeting and I wasn't very impressed. And, um, but for some reason, a few months later, I had another meeting. And he said, oh, you have to join my circle. I have to develop you. Well, I had no idea what that meant. Yeah. But being a good boy, I do what I'm told. So I, I went along and was in this group and they'd been together for 18 months and I was a new boy. And the first thing we did the first day was to meditate. And as soon as I closed my eyes, I found myself in an Indian camp. As clear as I can see you and see the room around me. And then um, the spirit, who we call teacher, began to describe to me all the things that I was seeing in my meditation, like he was uh, standing next to me. Mm -hmm. It was kind of ordinary stuff like, oh, that's my teepee, and uh, those are my children, and those are my horses. Yeah. And then the camera panned around, and there was a big Indian standing under a tree holding his horse. And he said, oh, and that one over there, that's my friend Whitebull, and he's going to work with you. So I, I was completely blown away. I had no idea what that meant. Yeah. But a few weeks later, we were meditating again, and suddenly I had this weird sensation of my hands getting big, and... My face began to change. It was like I was getting high cheekbones like, like um, the Indians used to have. And my body was filling out. Um, wow. I was very thin in those days. So there has been a big transformation since then. Yeah. And then this voice came out and said, I'm white bull and I couldn't stop. And although I know deep down, I knew deep down, this is what I've come to do. But of course, my ego was ready for battle. It wasn't going to roll over and let this happen quite so easily. Yeah. That's how it started. Yeah. That's a fascinating story. That's, wow. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it wasn't anything, you know, like you said, I was very skeptical. I was not interested in these things. I would say I, I didn't have a spiritual bone in my body. You know, I was young. I had my life experience, but I knew nothing about uh, uh, metaphysics or channeling or anything. Yeah. I did, um, I was working a little bit with my hands as a healer, but that was something I couldn't understand. But channeling. Mm -hmm far out <laughs> yeah they're very far out speaking to entities that are not physical <laughs> exactly, exactly. And, 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 and you know it's interesting because when Weibulks came he gave me a kind of a, a training I suppose you could say because it took time for him to learn how to use me as well it wasn't about me just learning to use to have him I mm. yeah. and one of the things he allowed me to experience was actually allowing shall we call it a a, a not so friendly entity to come in 
and and uh, to show what can happen if you're not careful. And that was really scary. And I was thrown on the floor. And uh, oh wow! So it was um, like a mini possession. Like a mini possession. I don't know whether it was actually a pretend negative entity, but anyway, I was shown what could happen if you don't take the right precautions. So mm. yeah, it's very important not to take for granted that every entity is a good entity. Yeah, yeah. It was in the spirit world too. Yes, definitely you have to be careful, especially with channeling. I've heard that you have to be very, very careful with who you allow into your field. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's so easy for, we all have an ego, and it's so easy for the ego to be turned on and excited by, by a, a famous name or, or a famous medical figure, you know. Yeah. And then you start losing sense of, of, of boundaries and of clarity, and the next thing you know, yeah, mm. you're in trouble. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so definitely worth mentioning. So anyone out there who's trying to do channeling? <laughs> yes, well, I would say, of course, keep well, well clear of it. But um, no, I, I think that the channeling is a very useful tool to have. But I think it's much uh, better if one can just practice channeling one's own inner wisdom. Mm, yeah, of their, own, of their own wisdom. Did you their say? own wisdom, their own, their own spirit, their own deeper knowing, their own connection to, to the... To the higher power because that's something i think is that should be the aspiration of people to just be mm. in that alignment with truth and then it can come through you yeah what, what what would you say is a good way for people to begin to do that or to learn how to do that to get into that state i think just uh, giving yourself time uh, often to be quiet just to go within and um to, to understand the relationship that we have with the higher power whatever you want to call it with with all that is and and um, trusting the, the the presence of truth within you, the spirit within you, and and listening to hear the inner voice. Mm. And of course, then people say, "Well, I heard this voice, but was it real or was it just my imagination?" And I say, "Well, it was your imagination, because actually, the mind doesn't understand these things. So, mm. truth can only come to you through your imagination." Yeah. And and, and just take it slowly and and uh, mm. check uh, absolutely within yourself is what I'm hearing true for me and. Yeah, it, it happens automatically in steps of, of spiritual development, evolution, that you suddenly feel this connection. And I think lots of people have the experience of talking to somebody and then suddenly they hear themselves saying something. I think, gosh, that's rather good. I wonder where that came from, you know? So at that moment, they're connecting to something bigger than themselves, which mm. they already know. Yeah. yeah. I think that, that for me, um, I don't want to do myself out of a job, but I think that's the ideal way to uh, maintain a connection to one's one's deeper knowing to truth um, and then to be guided by that mm. rather than the mind which of course most of us are guided by the mind yeah oh yeah it's such a struggle to not be guided by the mind <laughs> exactly the mind goes backwards and forwards past and future and, and so yeah. on. i think when um there's a lot of talk nowadays about mindfulness i think mindfulness is a useful tool which is practicing being in the present because yeah. the, the truth can only speak to you in the present moment not from the yeah. past or future yeah Yes, totally. Yeah, there's yeah, there's so many tools now, and yeah, a lot of them are really useful. I think, I think probably one of the problems is that people just don't really know exactly how to apply them, and then that's when it gets a little bit messy. Exactly. Yeah. exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, or, I mean, it, it's it's um, probably was there for me in the first days, although I was always very skeptical. One part of me thought, oh, this is rather glamorous. You know, I'm, I'm a channel in my own. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, that was very quickly knocked out of me. Um, 
when I realized actually it's, it's quite hard work and, and uh, creates a lot of change in one's life. I mean, you know, my family were horrified and a lot of my really? friends left me and it was total upside down in my life. Yeah. Oh, wow. Tell me a bit about that. How, how did your family take it when you first told them what you're doing? Well, um, I don't think it really went in. Um, they kind of made polite comments, but um, uh, there was a sense of, of course, I was disappointing their expectations for me because I was supposed to become a doctor and play rugby for Scotland. So. Yeah. <laughs> um, and th they were quite traditionally Church of Scotland people. Mm. But at the same time, um, because of the family connections I had with, with the Himalayan countries, with Tibet and Bhutan, so they're very happy to welcome friends who were Buddhists who believed in reincarnation. Mm. But it happened to one of their family. That was too much. They couldn't accept that. Ah, yeah. <laughs> too close to home. <laughs> too close to home. Too close to home, exactly. And, and, uh, yeah. But yeah, they've never ever asked me about my work and I don't bother telling them. And, uh, they're good people, but it's just, yeah. yeah. I'm outside the box and they're a little bit in the box as far as that's concerned, which is fine, yeah. We all have our own paths to follow. Yes, yeah, definitely. It to be something that I think is, is uh, amongst my clients, quite a common thing for people when they're taking steps on, on a, mm. a path of spirituality, that, that uh, they become outside the family, you know, mm. the odd one out. The odd one out, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and the black sheep. <laughs> black sheep, yes, exactly, exactly. But uh, there or we are the ones that are actually taking the steps to make the change in the world. So, yeah yeah I totally, yeah totally agree with that yeah so would you would your advice to those people who are kind of just testing the horses would your advice be to just continue with that with what feels right to them and just what feels right to them and if there's um, somebody you know who can guide them that's good and and um, because there are lots of wonderful teachings available now on the internet great teachers yeah. and uh, but there's been a kind of evolution because when i started channeling wasn't quite as common as it is now yeah. so people were much more involved in the uh, the paranormal and the psychic manifestations mm. and, uh, which is not something that interested me and it's interesting to see the evolution taking place amongst mm. open people like ourselves mm. that really a lot more people are now talking about the word awakening and yeah enlightenment and thanks to great teachers like Eckhart Tolle and Muji and so on so there's a new consciousness that is coming through and then I would say well if you're really going to be immersing yourself in that consciousness you don't even need to think about channeling you know it's just yeah. finding inner peace that's the most important thing mm. that's what people long for yeah connecting with yourself with your higher self with yourself with your higher self with, with the peace that is in you because yeah. within us is always a place of peace mm. and we yeah. can always make a choice when one uh, is aware of the mind getting very busy saying well, okay thank you mind thank you for being there and showing me the contrast with where i really want to be which is within the peace so okay mind you can go away now i'm going to be with <laughs> yes definitely that's one one of the most challenging things but once you kind of learn how to deal with the mind it's such a it's such a different place that you're at that um yeah yeah yeah, yeah. It, it is it is and, and, uh, yeah. the opposite is this is peace yeah, yeah. Mm. or any way that your your mind becomes your servant and you don't become its slave i think that that's the, mm. the switch to make yeah, I, I heard in one of your uh, channelings on YouTube that you did, that you have a video of, uh, where White Bull, you're channeling White Bull, he talks a lot about this peace, you know, uh, being in this state of peace, 
and that's when really things start to kind of it's almost like the universe starts to give you everything that you need because you're just Absolutely. in a state of peace Absolutely. and yeah. tranquility and you're not expecting anything but at the same time you're just open to everything and yeah. there's no resistance because if you're identifying with the mind and the propaganda and the fake news that it gives you then you're in the past or the future and and, and uh, but in the state of connection to peace, which is the same as being in the now, then you're in the flow. Yeah, yeah. Mm. And, and yeah. Uh, miracles happen all over the place. Yeah, yeah, which is really hard to believe sometimes when you, when you know you're struggling, you don't have any money, or you've just gone for a breakup and you're like, why God, why? <laughs> I, I know, I know, I know. But actually, I, I'm rather proud of the, um, the title of Weibull's uh, second book, which isn't published in English yet. And it's called There's Nothing Miraculous About a Miracle. And uh, basically he says that a miracle is just a byproduct of when spiritual law can operate freely in the space provided by a trustful heart and an open mind, that anything can happen. And that's certainly, I must say, what works for me. Yeah. yeah. Oh, trustful heart and an open mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's a good that's state a, to be in. miracle, yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. Amazing. I'll definitely give that um, book a read. <laughs> well, we're well, in English. When it's in English, I'll let you know. And, and uh, it will be in English sometime this year, definitely. Oh, amazing. Okay, brilliant. I'll, I'll be on the lookout for that one. Um, but um, let's go back to um, White Bull and uh, tell me a bit about his story because White Bull comes from the Native American tradition, if I'm correct. Yes. Well, the story I was given at the very beginning uh, was that he was a, a, a Lakota, a, a Glada Sioux, and uh, he died of the massacre of Wounded Knee in 1890. Oh. But he's always been very coy about his identity, and, and uh, people have said, oh, I've read all about Weipel on Facebook or, or on the internet or whatever, and um, because Weipel was actually quite a common name. It wasn't, uh, oh, okay, okay. There were a few Weipels. Somebody told me recently they'd found all about White Bull. He had a brother called Wundle. And, uh, but I, I'm not myself attached to, to that identity. So I don't always have the feeling that when I close my eyes to go into a trance that there's this big Indian coming into me. Yeah. But people I know who've known Native American Indians say he's very typical in his humor, for example, of, of uh, Native Americans. And, but he's not drawing upon his, his uh, experience as White Bull anymore. In the early days, he talked more about his, his life as White Bull mm. and the wisdom. But he talks um, sometimes about uh, the philosophy, the way of life of the Native Americans mm. in terms of, of, especially now with the environment of how for them, everything uh, from the biggest mountain to the smallest stone, from the biggest buffalo to the smallest ant were their relations. So he, he talks about that. Yeah. But no, it's much more universal wisdom. Yeah. And uh, sometimes I think, well, why has he chosen me? Uh, because as a child playing cowboys and Indians, I always wanted to be a cowboy. I never felt interested in Indians. Um, but uh, I think that somewhere, and of course, that was just one of his incarnations. He's had many. He said he's chosen this identity because it was his last, not because it was his most interesting. Yeah. But what was also revealed to me, uh, because people who meet him say that he comes this extraordinary vibrations, energy of love. It, it's just love and wisdom. Yeah. And that uh, he is in an alignment, in an array, um, with the vibration of St. John, the, the, the beloved disciple. Yeah. 
and he said that the he described it a bit little black spotlight that the the, uh, the source of the light is that energy with of St John that the apostle of love, and much further down there is where Whitehall is about a centimeter off the ground is where I am. So when I'm going to trance, I can erase my energy to where he is. Mm. And, and then that, that wisdom comes through. Wow. So uh, that's how it's explained to me. Mm. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's really... But certainly there is uh, a, a, a very powerful presence that comes with him, which I'm not aware of, of course. I mean, I'm aware with the fairy, fair way with the fairies when he's there. So. <laughs> um, yeah. So tell me about that. What does it feel like when you when you're channeling him? What does it to your body? What does it feel like? Well, when when I close my eyes to tune in, I always go through a kind of ritual within myself, um, just to to do a dedication and prayer, and then I, I wait for what I call his pin code, so that I I recognize his energy, so I don't let myself go until I know that it's there and I know it's him. Yeah. Um, and then it's strange; it's hard to describe actually what happens, but my body starts uh, filling up with, with, with uh, some energy. I take on a new kind of uh, dignity. I mean, I'm a normal slouch, you know, and I sit in the chair. When white rival comes, the, you know, it, it's, uh, the shoulders go back, the, straight, the back becomes straight, and, and, uh, and people tell me that's when they feel his presence coming. And, uh, yeah. mm. you know, and then when it's happening, I'm aware of things as they happen, but I don't have a memory afterwards. Mm, okay, so you don't remember what's said during... No, no, and it's, it's like waking up from a dream, knowing you've had a dream, but you can't remember the details. Oh. And the part of me that's aware as it happens will sometimes hear him saying things, and I'm thinking, wow, white, well, that's cool. That's got to go on the next book. That's got to go on the website. And at the end of the session, I can remember thinking, that's great, but I have no memory at all of what it was that was being said. <laughs> oh, yeah, but, so you do those normally with people when you do readings with people and... Yeah, yeah, I'm doing mainly with individuals now. I used to do some group sessions, but I prefer working at an individual level. Mm -hmm. mm. Yeah. Mm. And tell me a bit about the, because um, I, I find the whole Native American wisdom really fascinating and I really love the way they um, put so much um, importance on connecting with nature and with the animals and having that sort of balanced way of life. So tell me a bit about what you've learned personally from you know, all of his teachings about that. Well, what he doesn't, doesn't talk too much about that, but uh, just one or two things that I picked up, that indeed his tribe were a very peaceful uh, tribe. Uh, not all tribes were peaceful. There were some, you know, goodies and baddies, even amongst the Indians, raiding one another and so on. But for him, it was a very peaceful tribe. They lived in the plains, strong family connections, and, and uh, a, lot of, a lot of humor and joy in living. Um, once we did an experiment in this group where I was, there were two other people also at the same time beginning to channel Indians. Oh. And so once we three of us went into trance at the same time to see what the Indians would say to each other, and the people sort of like listening to the Marx Brothers, you know, it was just... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow, that must have been interesting. Uh, yeah, yeah. But, um, so no, I don't really know that much, but, but there was a lot of harmony and embracing of, of uh, all of nature. Everything was... was, was uh, part of the oneness and, and uh, yeah, which is why they became so vulnerable to the invasion of the white people because they were so trusting and mm. have, have that uh, uh, wisdom to recognize that, that they were being deprived of their, their, their identity. 
Yeah. One of my nicest, my, my favorite stories actually is about another white bull, not my white bull, yeah. who I believe was the one that uh, killed Colonel Custer, the, the white general. Mm. And before he killed him, he said, we were brothers before and we will be brothers again, but this time this is what I have to do when he killed him. Wow. So for me, that's this beautiful story of how in the whole thing about karma, yeah. you know, that, that we play a role in each other's lives and sometimes we are positive influence, sometimes we can be negative influence, but actually it's all good. It's just like being a character in a soap opera. This is how we let the, the plot unfold. Yeah. So that was a beautiful story. Yeah, no, I found that really interesting. Tell, tell me a bit about that and how the whole idea of, you know, soul groups and incarnating within your soul group and having these people, random people, which are not actually random because they're part of your soul group, they play a different part in your life to maybe trigger you or help you or get you to grow in a way. So how does that yeah. work? Yeah, well, my book describes it a bit like um, uh, a, a group of uh, actors in, 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 a, in a repertory company and they change plays every month and one month you play the goody, the next month you play the baddie and the next month is a romance, the next month is a thriller. Yeah. But you're all just actors in this drama. Yeah. And so as I understand it from what he teaches as well, that we come together with our soul group to play a role. Yeah. Sometimes it may be not a nice role, sometimes it can be a beautiful role, yeah. but it's still a role and it doesn't define who we really are. And because every soul is for every other soul for their evolution. Therefore, we, we, we come in and play roles that give us tests and challenges and, and trust and faith and forgiveness and whatever it is we have to learn in this life. Yeah. So would you say it's a good way to try to see those any circumstances, especially the bad ones, because, you know, it's the bad ones that really stick with yeah, us. Yeah, the, the ones you remember, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and um, would you say it's a good way to think of it as, okay, this person just came here to teach me something? And yes, 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 yes. Yeah. In fact, I, I was, um, uh, a few months ago, I, I was uh, taking a few weeks off to be by myself, and I was just reflecting on my life, mm -hmm. and all the things that have happened to me, the good and the bad, and it became very clear to me that everything that's happened in my life, even the most painful situations, everything was a grace. Everything was a grace. Everything was necessary to bring me to where I am. Yeah. To come yeah. to the point of, of acceptance, of forgiveness, of, of, of uh, what had happened to move me on to, to um, a, new, a new chapter of my life. That everything was a grace. Wow. Sometimes if I hear other people's stories, I'm thinking, well, I can understand that they wouldn't see that as a grace, you know, if your child's been murdered or some mm -hmm. terrible thing has happened, a mortal illness. But I can only see it from my experience. I've mm -hmm. seen everything. Even the fact that, uh, well, my father died when I was seven, and which was a tragedy for the family. But yeah. even now, I can see, well, actually, that was perfect. That was perfect. Mm -hmm. um, because, uh, yeah, he was from another era and my life as it's turned out to be would have been not acceptable to him uh, but what i've inherited by being born by being born into this family has been so important mm. so um, yeah yeah it's almost as if it teaches you all the lessons that your soul needs to learn in that exactly exactly, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So did that i'm curious did that also make you see your breakup at the time in a different way did you did you manage to um, you know get yes. <laughs> yes, indeed. It, 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 it I mean, I haven't broken completely. It's only just my sister left now. But um, I, I can see, I, I can understand perfectly why I chose this family and what I brought, what I've inherited within my own self from, 
in the DNA, so we say, say from 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 um, uh, my family and the stories. One thing, I I, I do have uh, a very strong faith, and that's not something I developed myself. I take no credit for that, but it's something that's just in the family. Mm-hmm. And, and so I've always had this faith that everything will work out all right because of the stories I grew up with around, especially from, from my grandparents. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. That helped you in your own work as well. Just own work, yeah, yeah. And also um, uh, on my mother's side, there's a very strong sense of duty. On my father's side, a very strong sense of service. Mm-hmm. And both of those are necessary for, for, uh, for me to do my work. So mm-hmm. there are these inherited factors that come. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Definitely, I agree with the, yeah, especially the ancestral stories that we inherit from our ancestors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah that's exactly why I chose to be born into this family. And I'm, mm-hmm. I'm very grateful for it. I'm very grateful for the, the inheritance in terms of the, the family story. And, and uh, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. Yeah, and also what you've provided for people. So in the way in which you've helped them with all these uh, things that you've, you know, inherited from your family, from your upbringing. And your life. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah. But but, but it, it may sound strange, but it actually never crosses my mind that what I'm doing is helping people. Really? I mean, I, I am. I, I, I get the, the, the feedback that I am, but it's like water off a duck's back. It, it doesn't, uh, I don't know, it's, it's strange. It's just, this is what I do, but it's not yeah. part of my conscious intent. Oh, I want to go help people. Yeah. Would you, would you say that's probably the best way to look at something, to do something that you really enjoy and as a result that actually helps people rather than I want to help someone and then um, so changing the... Yes, process. well, I mean, I think it's wonderful to have that desire to help people. Mm. Uh, but I, and I'm not sure I can say I really enjoy the work either. You know? so, <laughs> um, I still have my moments of rebellion. I mean, white people must think, oh, why did I choose this one? Here we go again, more ego tantrums. <laughs> but um, no, it's just a, a deep knowing this is what I'm here to do. But, but, uh, and I, I enjoy aspects of it. Um, I enjoy meeting the people. I, I, all my closest friends I've met through my work. Mm. But it's not something, the work itself, just closing my eyes and disappearing, is not something that's great fun. But, but, uh, it, it, it's, it's just part of the work, part of the work. Mm. And I think that the, um, I had an interesting lesson from White Bull quite early on, which I think has served me well, that um, I was getting, even when I was just starting, I knew nothing. People were giving lots of me, giving me lots of nice feedback. I'm thinking, oh, I'm rather good at this. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a good channeler. Yeah. And sure as anything, twice it happened, my very next client would come and say, I'm sorry, Ian, that was a waste of my time and money. Oh, God. <laughs> so that was kind of why we were saying, now listen here, young man, don't you start thinking this is all about you. You're just the instrument. I'm the one doing the work, so don't take the credit for yourself. And so now I think this is why, even though people are very kind in their responses to what I do, it, it just goes straight over to the street. Mm-hmm. I don't even hardly hear it. Yeah, I guess, yeah, and you mentioned before about the importance of staying humble and kind of just being grounded in... Being know. grounded, yeah, exactly, yeah, 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 and, 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 and uh, um, I think there's a great danger the moment you start thinking yourself important and good at something, then inevitably the ego comes in. Mm. That's yeah. one, one of the dangers of channeling, there are dangers to it, for the channeler as well as for the people who are... Who are yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, definitely something to remember for anyone out there looking to do that. Um, I would always say to anybody, who, I say to people who come to me and I'd say to anybody else who goes to anyone else 
who you're seeking advice, take responsibility for the fact that you're looking for advice outside of you and always check, but is this true for me? You know, don't just take it because a spirit with a big name tells you so. Yeah. Is yeah. it true for me? That's... And other people sometimes coming who've been to other mediums and channelers and get told, I think, appalling information and, and mm. are shocked, but, they, but so-and-so said it, so it must be true, and, and mm. the lives are badly affected by it. So you always have to take responsibility, but is this true for me? Yeah, I completely agree, and I have to say, I'm totally guilty of, of falling into that trap <laughs> where I've yeah, kind of we, given we, my power we, away to someone or a, a card reader or a, you know, a, a medium or something. Yeah, it's... But, we, but we all have to go through that experience. I went through it too. I, I went through an experience of giving my power away to a so-called enlightened person, and, and it was one of the worst periods of my life. So uh, that was my lesson in it. So, but I think it's a very important lesson to have as well, because mm. I think one's general evolution is about um, staying in one's own power, not giving it away, not mm. putting other people on a pedestal. Yes, totally. And I always, I normally find that whatever my intuition initially was saying about a situation, that always turns to be the right thing. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> Rather than, but you know, of course we want confirmation because our minds just can't perceive that we have this other side of us that knows everything. So yeah, yeah, we have to get confirmation yeah. from an outside source and then if it confirms it, then okay, I can do that. Then. But if not, then that was my imagination. Yeah. It's like when one sort of does something and then you hear yourself say, I knew I shouldn't have gone there. Yeah. Who would you know? Because your inner voice has already told you, don't go there. You know, yeah. So, so. yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we all do it. We all do it. Yeah. 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 It's just a, a case of uh, learning. Um, but um, tell me a bit about the what have you observed sort of in the last few years in the collective consciousness and especially in men, what's going on with men collectively? Yeah, this is, I find very encouraging because when I first started to work, I think 95% of my clients were women. A lot of those women were complaining about their husbands saying, oh, he doesn't believe in all this stuff and he just wants me to go back to work and you know, all these <laughs> stories. Now the story is the complete opposite and men are coming, 50% 50, 50 at least of my clients are men. Wow. And men are coming complaining about their wives because the men want to stay at home and meditate and the wives saying, why aren't you going out to work? Really? So it, it, it's a very interesting shift. And wow. I see that um, a lot the men that I'm meeting, a lot of them, a lot of the men who come to talk to Whitehall, are really setting themselves free from the archetypal roles that they've been expected to play yeah. and are making huge steps, sacrifices, even giving up their careers and, and, and following their heart and following their truth. Wow. And I find this very encouraging. And I don't know how it is with the wives, um, but uh, I think it's good that men are actually taking these steps and are awakening out of the the programs and mm. the conditionings that they've been given as the male child. You've got to be the breadwinner, you've got yeah. to do this and do that. So, yeah, which is a lot of responsibility. Lots of responsibility and, and uh, I think it's very encouraging and uh, I, it's, I mean, they say that uh, the world will be saved by, by, by women, mm. uh, but I think the world will, be, the world will be saved by the feminine principle, which is also in men. Men. So men are awakening to their sensitivity, and, and mm. some of the men who come here, you know, that oh, what am I doing here? That my wife told me to come, or my friend told me to come, and mm. they're very skeptical, and, and uh, it's, you know, they're very rational. But then they start to relax, and then they start to realize, okay, yes, this is something that uh, is why people are saying what I do feel in myself that I wanted to let go of some of the old conditions, mm. set myself free. 
not be a slave to a system. So I, I see this as a, a not only with men, but with women too. Women are also um, amongst my clients anyway, a lot of them are just wanting to, to change their lives completely and, and, and um, yeah, set themselves free. Yeah. And, and, and uh, a great hunger in a lot of people for, for just being able to live completely in their own truth and then uh, yeah, follow their hearts. Yeah, find their purpose. That's so important. Find their true purpose, yeah, yeah. And, and, and uh, so often the question comes, you know, what am I here to do? Mm. Uh, what is my purpose? And the answer usually comes, well, your purpose is to be. You're a human being, not a human doing. Mm. Oh. When you can be comfortable with just being, then the doing shows itself. The one that leads on from the other. Mm. So, and and, and uh, to take, make the most of this incarnation, to set yourself free, to make your connections to the higher power and be a presence. So how would you say for anyone who hasn't quite, doesn't feel like they have quite found their purpose or path yet, what would you say, what's a good way to start this process? How can they start doing that? I would say start by accepting 100% exactly where you are, not making anything wrong, finding peace with where you are. And when you find peace with where you are, then things will start to move. So look at the resistances, look at the fears, try to let go of those and just start with now and be complete acceptance of that. And then things will move. Mm. Yeah, signs will come and, and, and uh, coincidences will occur. And, and, and just also look, look to the feeling of hunger that you may feel within you, the hunger in the soul and ask yourself, well, what's my soul hungry for? And, Maybe it's just to meet a friend for a coffee. Maybe it's to find a nice book to read. Maybe it's to, to go off and be in nature and be by myself. Mm. I think uh, when you start getting these feelings and signs, you want to be by yourself or you want to be in nature, that's a sign things are starting to happen. Mm. Because I think we too easily forget that as human beings living in our crowded world, we need space. Mm. So I, I would say, and these are the signs that are there, even if you can't see or feel what you could do, just look at these needs, these basic needs for space, for quiet, for, for, for feeding your inner life, mm. and everything will come from that. Yeah, yes, that's a really good advice. So um, if, um, if people, because um, I've, I've myself have, have encountered that, and a lot, I know a lot of people have, when you first begin your journey there's you know um you tend not to have so many people who are supportive of that because you know you're just you're changing completely 180 degrees from this yes, yes yeah so um what would you say to those people who are, you know trying to explain themselves to their family or to their friends and trying to just find their way through what what advice would you give to anyone who's kind of going through that right now and doesn't quite well be very careful who you talk to because probably at that point you'll get a negative response and then you, you talk your power away and that can be very discouraging if you get a negative reaction so i would say look around you and see what um, meditation groups are available what what uh, whatever it is that turns you on and, and, and just find somewhere to belong where you'll meet like-minded people mm. and, and not be too open with your friends and family let them react because they see a difference in you. They, oh, you're very quiet these days. Oh, you're feeling very peaceful, you know. Tell me, what's your secret, you know? Maybe then you can convert them to the path. But I think it's, it's very careful not to, to um, 
be so excited about what's happened to you that you tell everybody and they say, oh, what a load of rubbish. Yeah. That's more or less what happened to me, you know, so. Mm. That's <laughs> from bitter experience. Yeah, <laughs> I think everyone tends to go through that stage, but, um, and then you realize there's no point in trying to explain yourself to them because- No, no, if people aren't ready, they will never be ready, you know. Yeah. People, flowers bloom in their own time. And, mm. And I think also there are some fantastic books out there. Go to the library, see if any books that excite you. And, 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 mm. you know, and yeah. look at YouTube, so many amazing things on YouTube. At every level of consciousness, it's on YouTube. So it's just start working with yourself and then uh, things will start to unfold. Yeah, totally. And um, tell me, have you observed any difference this last um, sort of, especially well, last year and this year, because there seems to be, be a huge change right i know there's been changes happening for the last like 10 20 years but especially last year and this year yeah. be like a huge change happening and um i've noticed uh, in myself and in other people um you tend to either go really high or really really low and you know there's just these two extremes it's like yeah. there's no middle ground anymore you either feel amazing or you just feel completely like you just don't want to be here anymore yeah 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 yeah. It, it's curious i've noticed this um a lot happening people around me and i've even had my own experiences of some experiences as well i think there's um it's important first of all to be able to experience the full range of emotions from the high to the low it's rather like a piece of elastic you're stretching it um, and therefore you create uh, a bigger range within yourself of, of feeling. When things are getting um, too high, then you also have to be careful and, and start getting grounded. Um, and because then you're too open and all kinds of things can start happening. Mm. So then I would say start walking in nature and maybe break your rules and go for a drink with friends or whatever it is, but just, just be an ordinary human being. Yeah. And if you're getting too low, which I know also is happening to people at the moment, I think uh, a lot of people are starting to take medication they didn't think of before or, or having breakdowns or depressions or whatever. Um, yeah, again, just, just talk to people, have good contact. Mm. And, and um, it will pass, it will pass. Mm. It really is a turbulent time. And it's like, um, you know, God had his foot on the, has his foot on the accelerator. We're all suddenly being pushed into this higher vibration and frequency, and, and everything gets shaken around. And but it is for a period. And, and uh, as long as you can also connect to your center as much as possible, where nothing changes, because we're experiencing all these changes, these ups and downs. But inside us is a place that never changes. So when you can find that place within you then I think that that's a, a good counterpoint to stay with. Mm. Like on a cloudy day, well, it's cloudy here now, but I know the sun is still there. So the skyscape changes constantly, but the sun is always there. Yeah. So when you find the sun within yourself, that I think provides the balance. Okay. And it is, it is something that I don't know when it'll pass, but uh, I think there's a lot of fear across in the world at the moment. So that's like a, like the clouds as well. Like that's like the pollution, the fear. It's all around us. It's very hard to mm. to not be affected by it. And it's important to therefore look at your own fears and see well what external fears am I attracting because of my own fears. Mm. Uh, and if you walk into a room full of people smoking, you're going to come out smelling of smoke yourself, even if you're not a smoker. So you're going to be contaminated in some way. Therefore, you need to also take care of your personal space and and. Uh, 
be with the right people that uplift you and not people who pull you down mm. and, and uh, allow for the change. Yeah. So having, having those boundaries that you need to kind of instill. Having those boundaries, yeah. I mean, make a new best friend and the best friend you'll ever have is the word no. You know, because it, it, it's, uh, once you find it easier to say no, then that, whatever way you say it, then you're really taking care of yourself. Which is so hard to say sometimes. It's very hard to say. Then you can go for a walk, just say to yourself, no, no, no. Yeah. No, find all the different ways in which you can say it. You know, let it become something that trips off your tongue easily. But, because if we don't, we give our power away. Yeah. And the challenge of this period, I think, is to really take back the power mm. from, from anything outside of us. Yeah. Yeah. And taking back the power means letting go of the fear. You can't be in your power if you have fear. Mm. That's a... Yeah. a I sometimes uh, shares a subject for reflection contemplation is that how would it feel like to be living with a fearless radiant heart wow and what what changes might happen in your life who may leave who may come how would you change your life how would you feel just reflecting upon fearless radiant heart how would your life be for you then mm. That's a good one to contemplate on. <laughs> I think it's a good one to contemplate, yeah, yeah, because that's in a way what we all strive to be, to that yeah. fearless radiant heart. Yeah, I think I have to say I've been, um, uh, I mean, I've been definitely feeling these energies, the highs and the lows. Uh, and when I'm in the lows, uh, I'm finding it very hard to kind of just stay in that state of um, trusting that things will work out, you know, things will get better. Yeah. And I know a lot of people, you know, go through that when they're in their lows. So it's, um, yeah, it's just hard to maintain that state of mind when everything around you is just completely. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if one can train oneself to be able to be the silent witness to these lows, mm -hmm. then the part that is witnessing is the part that is free of it. So, uh, and then one of the, the great new additions to, the, to our English language, um, something brought by, by Eckhart Tolle, the pain body, and sometimes if you can remember that when you're feeling these things, it's the pain body functioning and you are not your pain body. And your pain body wants to pull you into this, this story because it wants to feed on that, that emotion of negativity and sadness and so on. And his head is feast and you feel better. Because, oh, I feel better. Yeah. Because the pain body has had a good food. <laughs> just, to, just to remember that, that uh, yeah, it, it's also something actually that's not really related to you. It's just... Mm. old pains coming out or, or something yeah. I think it also is affecting people at physical levels nowadays as well people are coming talking about the strange pains and it's all pain coming out yeah you know, or in our childhood or wherever pains sadnesses fears and, and uh, yeah. so many people think oh I'm having a heart attack but actually it's not it's just the heart is starting to open mm. and therefore the old pain starts, starts to come out yeah that's how i see it anyway yeah have you seen this kind of trend so to say of people's hearts becoming more open becoming yes more absolutely absolutely but but it it's a new experience for them you don't realize your heart is contracted because it's all you know yeah. suddenly it's like um, like the sun's shining on a, a flower bud and then the membrane around the flower begins to fall away and die and, and uh, the flower opens, and, and Weibel even says if you put your ear to a flower as it opens, you'd hear the cries of pain. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, mm -hmm. a lot of 
it only gets worse if you resist it and then uh, mm. just find PCR that there's an opening happening. Yeah. The, the body vibrations are increasing. Mm. Um, and all, lots of changes, lots of changes. Yeah. Yeah. So we should probably just embrace it and just hope for the best. <laughs> embrace it, allow it, and, and uh, observe it, and don't let the mind make a big drama out of it. Mm -hmm. Which yeah. the mind very easily does. Yeah. So trying to keep the mind where it belongs, which is in the box. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. As your servant, not cracking the whip and making you its slave and yeah. taking you here and there, up and down, and left and right. Yeah, totally. So uh, you gave a really good tip about uh, for people about listening and trusting to your intuition. I'm, uh, I'm just going to read the paragraph that you wrote because uh, I just find it really beautiful. Um, so you've written, it is selfish to deprive the world of your power and presence by keeping yourself small. Be sure to make lots of space for yourself. Tell me a bit about that. Yeah, well, I think that we're so programmed, well, many of us are so programmed to, to put others first and to be polite and, and, and to um, not hurt anybody by saying the wrong thing. And therefore, we sit on our power, what we really want to do, we sit on our passion. And I think our responsibilities, especially at a time like this, where the world needs people in their power, in their fearlessness, following their truth, that we have to have the courage to take the step to do what we feel called to do yeah. uh, because if we don't we're just going to sit on this power and we're going to go around in circles and nothing will change but our programmer says it's selfish to think of yourself first but actually as i say it's more selfish to uh, put others first first of all and deprive the world of you in your power and in your radiance because yeah. If anybody has ever experienced being with somebody who has a presence, it's such an uplifting experience. Yeah. And we can do so much for other people by allowing ourselves, not out of an egotistical ambition, but just to allow our true power, which is presence, which is therefore the highest frequency of love, to be in the world. That's really all we have to do. And then people will start saying, oh, it's so nice to be with you. I always feel when I'm good when I'm around you. You know, and you think, oh, what am I doing? But that, that is the power of presence. Mm. So I think it, it's overcoming this belief that it's selfish mm. uh, to be thinking of yourself. You must always be thinking of other people. It is a program a lot of people have. Mm. Or they see, for example, some of the, these men who are coming who are saying, well, I'm giving up my job and but uh, of course I'm worried about my wife and my children. How will I feed them? How will I pay the bills? But that all falls into place usually if you just follow your truth, follow the call. And, and one of the things I said was that to have a vocation is a, you're blessed if not everybody has a vocation, but you're blessed if you do have one. But usually there's a price to pay for yourself or somebody as a, a making that choice. But if you think of somebody like Mandela, which you wanted him to stay a good husband and father and not follow his journey to have all those years in prison and to become a global icon of peace and forgiveness. So I'm sure maybe his wife and children would have preferred to have had daddy at home. But when you have a calling, then sometimes, yes, there are sacrifices that have to be made. Wow. For those who don't have a calling, don't feel a specific calling, then um, Bible says something rather beautiful that 
the highest calling of all can be simply to live an ordinary life, but in an extraordinary way. Mm. And if you can do that, that, that matters so much, so much. Yeah. That's so beautiful. Yeah, that reminds me of, um, I remember once I was um, traveling with friends and we went to this restaurant uh, and the owner of the restaurant, he was this, uh, this man that was just beaming with happiness and just joy. And he just made our whole, you know, he, he made our meals in front of us and he just made our day and our whole week and that whole trip. Yeah. I remember that trip because of him, you know, he was the, just, he just, I don't know, he, he just like you were saying, you, you just have those people that just have such presence to them. And you just feel so amazing when you're around them. And I'll always remember him because he was, you know, he was um, just a, a, rest, a restaurant chef, which for some people isn't much, but, you know, he, he lifted up your spirits, you know. Uh, yeah. There were some people who are feeling really depressed and they go to his restaurant and they feel amazing because they're yeah. around this guy. So. Well, I, for me, it makes a big difference if I go to a restaurant who the chef is because the chef's energy will go into the food. Exactly. Um, I remember once uh, going to a restaurant I used to go to often and uh, the usual chef wasn't there and there was one there when I saw him I thought ooh I'm not sure I really feel good with his energy and I felt so ill after eating his food. Oh god. Yeah yeah so it doesn't make a difference who is cooking the food if they have a good energy. Mm -hmm. but this, this chap you're talking about here he just had presence and then there wasn't yeah. that he was putting on an act this was the nature of a spirit yeah and he loved what he did and, and, and exactly. loved people and, and, and uh, yeah yeah so to be to be present to be powerfully present can can transform another person's experience mm. even i've heard stories of somebody visiting someone in hospital who was in a great deal of pain and they just sat beside them present and the pain went with the person so it can really really be a profound healing yeah, I, th I think that that's a, almost a duty we have to, to our fellow human beings to as much as we're able to in any given moment, just to be present with them. And, and, and therefore to allow people to feel seen. Because um, if you're always thinking, well, what am I going to say next? You're not actually focusing on the other person. Mm. And one of Weibel's teachings I like a lot is that he said of every human being, one day had the experience of feeling truly seen in the depths of their being, in their innocence, in their beauty, within a generation you would have world peace. Wow. Because so few of us have ever had that experience of another person being fully present with us. Mm. And feeling seen, feeling, feeling loved, feeling accepted. Yeah, that's so important. No judgment, no judgment, yeah. Oh, that's so beautiful, Ian. That's just really, really powerful. I could, I could sit here and talk for days about this stuff. Well, that's our contribution to world peace. Just, just uh, whoever you're with, just be present with them and really see them, see beyond the personality, just see them for the beauty of innocent being that they are, in spite of what they may be waving a knife at you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Have I got time for just one more story? Because it's Brother illustrates this. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was a wonderful lady. Um, I didn't know much about her, but she was called the Peace Pilgrim. And she would just wander from town to town giving a, a story of peace. And one day she was walking down a, a rather dark street um, and uh, on her own. And suddenly a man jumped out of the shadows, waving a knife at her, obviously negative intent. And her reaction was, Oh, thank God, you're an answer to my prayer. I was just asking God, please send somebody to protect me. 
and this man was so transformed, he became a bodyguard. Wow. <laughs> you let her sign all the time because she's empowered him for the first time with a positive role in image. Wow. Let him think he was, a, he was a, a, an answer to a prayer. So we can turn people's lives around very simply. That really, and it's just, yeah, and it, I think that's so important to remember. It's so, it can be something so simple as just. So simple, so simple. So, so you know, just to believe in others and believe in the goodness in others. And, mm. yeah, and change. That's really, really powerful. Ian, thank you so much. This has been such a pleasure to speak to you. Thank you so much. And I really enjoyed it. Thank you very much. Yeah. Um, and just to let people know, so you do private sessions. Do you do them over, you do them over Skype, right? I do them over Skype. Or maybe now Zoom. I don't know. I mean, I can do Zoom as well, but I normally do by Skype anywhere in the world. I'm, I'm yeah. doing sessions to any continent. I haven't done a session to yet is Antarctica, but I guess penguins don't have too many problems. So. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, and people can find you on uh, www.mankindkindman.org. That's, That's your website, yeah? uh okay is there do you have social media as well that people can find? no I'm, I'm very lazy about you're that on social media yes yeah, yeah i'm not really on social media but, uh, yeah but people can... there, is, there is a um uh, a facebook page of white ball yeah uh, I, I have, again i'm very lazy about that but some of his teachers mm -hmm. are there, yeah. yeah you also do some retreats in greece i think uh, yeah i i do retreats in greece or the, the holy island of patmos which i really love doing and and um that's uh, yeah, that's fantastic. I do that once or twice a year, and uh, I have in the last years also been taking groups to Bhutan, mm -hmm. which is a country I love and know very well. Um, that's also fun to do. Wow! Uh, the retreats in Greece—they are really on the island of St John. Going mm -hmm. back to talking about St John, and they're, they're always very powerful experiences. Yeah, mm -hmm. and also I'm, I'm starting to offer individual retreats at my house in France. Oh, wow. spend a week with me and uh, talk to people every day and meditate and, and uh, have silent days and, and uh, yeah oh wow in in france did you say in, in france yeah yeah, yeah. In, in oh, wow that sounds like it will be quite a powerful trans transformative week it can be it can be yeah. they have to put up with my cooking that's the only thing but um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. there's another website for that um www.tashiding.com T-A-S-H-I-D-I-N-G. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to provide all the links for that in the uh, description of the video. Okay, great. Then. But um, other than that, thank you so much. This has been so interesting and such a pleasure to speak to you. Uh, just all the wisdom has been amazing. And I'm sure so many people will find this really, really helpful, especially now. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> going on. Yeah. Thank you so much, Jesse. Thank you. Bye-bye.